thank you for tuning in to Saturday Conversations. My name is Edward Akiyemi, and I'm so grateful you have decided to listen to Saturday Conversations. Every Saturday, I have conversations with different believers of Jesus. We discuss about their faith walk and the wisdom they have gained through this journey called life. And just to add to that, even that, the good thing is the sacrifice. It is important that it's out of a place of obedience. Because is when you follow what he says, he says, if you would follow after me, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So no, we sacrifice, but we are following too. Because there are people that, and I, I don't know if you have had experiences, but I had, I can tell you supernatural stories. Like I, I love my stories with God and I have uh, having adventures with God. <laughs> episode 66 of Saturday Conversation. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. And to my Spotify and Apple podcast family, hit the follow button and rate this podcast five stars. And with all that being said, happy Saturday. I can't wait for y'all to hear the conversation I had with Carla about how the kingdom of God needs to come today. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the conversation, Dr. Carla Pinto. Hey, Carla, what's up? Hi, Ed. I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so glad we're able to have this conversation. I know you're a busy individual, <laughs> but I'm so glad that the Lord allowed our schedules to match up. So before we get into the, um, the topic, do you mind introducing yourself to people who don't know you? Hi, everyone. My name is Carla Pinto. My long name is Carla Dagoya Pinto. I am from Guinea-Bissau originally, but I am currently in Chicago working as a, um, a family medicine resident. I'm a second year PGY2. Um, I'm excited to be in this journey. I've always wanted to be a doctor and um, I'm blessed by doing what God called me to do. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Anything else you want to add or no? Well, I do have hobbies. <laughs> okay. What is, what is some of your hobbies? So I enjoy cooking. I enjoy gardening. I've been learning more about gardening indoors. Um, I also enjoy jogging. Um, so exercise is part of my, um, some of the things that I like to do and spend time with friends. So when you're spending time with friends, what do you like to do? Is it the same thing, gardening, gardening and cooking together? Or what are some things you like to do with your friends? Yeah, so I like going on uh, to movies. I like Marvel movies. I enjoy them. Um, and I am more of a quality time person. So I'm very like open to do other activities, going to a picnic, you know, going to the beach when it's summer um, or to the pool. 
um, going out barbecuing with friends, talking with them on the phone. Um, I am more a quality time person, so I'm a very open. But those are some of the things that I enjoy doing. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Carla. So let's just get into the topic in hand. Y'all already know what we're talking about. We're talking about God's kingdom come. What I realized, Carla, is that there's so many people that claim to follow Jesus, but they're not doing anything to usher in his kingdom. As humans, we're too busy trying to build our own kingdom or try to build the kingdom of Walmart or try to build the kingdom of Amazon or try to build the kingdom of Starbucks. But let me tell you right now that all those kingdoms will not last. The only kingdom that will last is the kingdom of God. God is not obligated to build our kingdom. He's only obligated to build his kingdom. That is why it's so important for us to align our purposes, to align our promises, to align our plans to his purposes, to his promises, and to his plans. Because only what we do for God lasts. We have to have a heart that screams, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 10 says, in this manner, this is Jesus speaking, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our hope and our goal from this conversation is that this will stir you up. This will start, start uh, a start of flame in your soul saying that I need to start living according to the will, according to the purpose, according to the guidelines of God. But before we get into the good stuff, Carla, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. So my first question to you is, how was your upbringing? Great question. Um, so I was born and raised in Guinea-Bissau, a small country in West Africa. It was colonized by the Portuguese. So Portuguese is like an um, official language, um, although not everybody speaks it, but it's been um, you know, recorded as, a, as the official language. It basically has like almost 2 million people. That's how small it is, smaller than the population of Chicago. So for you to meet a Guinean or someone from Guinea-Bissau, it's rare. <laughs> and so I was born and raised there. Um, my parents were um, believers. Interestingly, my dad comes from a Muslim family, and he's the only believer um, from his family. He's from a tribe that is Fula, also known Fulani, if you've heard of of it, but because there are other countries in Africa that have the same tribe. So he was born and raised there, but the Lord um, miraculously um, came to him at a point in his teenage years, um, especially when he was in, actually in his 20s, when he was in college, um, and he got saved. Um, and then my mom also comes from a, a background that the parents were not believers, but they knew the importance of and the, the advantage of being walking with the Lord, they just knew that those people that walked would go to church or lived um, a life as a Christian. They had principles, they had morals, so that they allowed her to go to church. And she met my dad at a church conference, and so I was born in a family of believers. Um, my parents are, are deacons in the church for many years, so elders for many years, and they have trained me in the ways of the Lord. Um, when I, I, my mom, she particularly would say that she would lay hands on my on her belly when she was pregnant of me, and prophesy things that she's seeing me now doing. Um, I 
also had like the privilege of, you know, growing up in Sunday school, you know, like doing sword drills and and learning about the the word of God very early. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was six years of age, Um, but I truly started walking with Jesus when I was 14. Um, and that really shifted um, the my my life, like really walking, not because my parents are believers, but I really wanted to walk with the Lord. Um, so that's a little bit of my upbringing. That is that is so good. Do you have any siblings, or are you the only child? No, I'm the oldest of three. Oh, okay. I, I have a younger brother. He's one year and a half younger than me. He's back in Guinea-Bissau. He's married. He has a four-month-old nephew that I got to meet um, a few weeks, like a few weeks ago. And I have a younger sister. She's like nine years old, younger than me. Um, interestingly, she's an architect. He is an engineer in telecommunications, and I'm a physician. I'm a doctor. So we all in different fields. But it's been a pleasure being the older sister. It's always, you know, there's something about older siblings that I can't explain, explain, but it makes us more responsible and, you know, I don't know. More more bossy, you know, more bossy a little bit. kind of. (laughs) And then you are the one, the role model. So you get the spanking for everybody. You are like, you, you know, everybody has to follow you. So yeah, also was under pressure, you know, (laughs) so there's pros and cons. (laughs) That is so good. So, I'm just grateful that you're, you know, born in a, a God-fearing family because I was born in a God-fearing family. And if it wasn't for my parents' principles and my parents' prayers, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I can speak for myself. I know that's what you just said. I'm echoing what you said. But it wasn't for my parents. Like, because I'm about to make some people mad, but I don't think a certain age, your parent should not be your best friend. Your parent needs to be your parent. And I thank God that my dad was not my best friend when I was younger. Because my dad would discipline me. My dad would do stuff. And I was like, why are you so mean? But now I'm older. Now I'm 30-something. I was like, thank you, Jesus, that my dad did not <laughs> say, like, I'm just going to coddle him or I'm going to bend to whatever he wanted him, wanted to do. Because, like, I look now that these, like, kids nowadays, the young generation, they don't have any discipline. They're unruly. They're doing all these things. Like, you see what's going on in Chicago right now. You're like... What what happened? If I even think of leaving the house yeah. after I am 32, Carla, if I leave the house <laughs> now, my dad's like, where are you going? <laughs> what are you doing? It's kind of late. Don't you think it's kind of dark? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, I'm just I'm just so thankful yeah. that my dad's like and my mom said, like, we're, we will be your friend, yeah. but we will be your parent first. Yes. Amen. I totally <laughs> echo that. My parents, I remember when I was 18. 19, I started driving. Um, they had curfews. So by nine o'clock, I need to say where I am. I need to text, call, or, <laughs> or say where I am. And if I were, and I was with someone or, or I was driving at night, I was like, dad, I'm coming. I'm on my way. They're like, you know, and until this day, like even when I go, those principles is interesting that they remain with us. The Bible says to train the child the way they should go. You know, and when they grow, you know, they will not depart from it. And it's interesting. And even, you know, the fact that I traveled to different places, you know, I had to go to medical school in China and came to the United States. And, you know, even away from them, those principles still remain, you know, and they are just ingrained. And I'm like, I can't help it. And I know I'm going to pass to my kids as well. (laughs) 
That's so good. And I love how you bring that scripture up from Proverbs because some people are like, well, you went this way. You had this testimony. Yeah, it says depart. And it says we won't like, you know, sway away a little bit. But depart means we leave, for, we leave forever. Mm-hmm. So since the principles and the prayers of our parents, where we went our thing, then God's love kept drawing us back to the path that was given to us by our parents. Because yeah. people and some people are like, well, this person left their the faith. Sometimes there's a difference between being in the church and playing the church. Yep. And there's a lot of parents, and I thank God because both my parents are pastors. I thank God that my dad and my mom never put the ministry over the family. Amen. And there's so many children that resent their parents because they try to look good for the church, but they were never good at home. Oof. And I, I know I may be the exception to the rule, but my parents didn't play like that. They're like, no, no, no. My family will come first. The ministry would be there. But my family come first. So I just want everybody listening. As we're talking about bringing, ushering the kingdom of God, never put your calling over your first call, which is to be a family person. Amen. I hear I, Carla, let me just say, I'm talking about some guys, they would like rather be in the ministry than to care to, for their wife. Mm-hmm. They do a better job caring for the bride of Christ than caring for the bride that God gave them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that because there's so many people that are like, I got to do this. I, no, no, no. Your job. It's to love your wife Amen. as Christ loves the church. Yeah. Not love the church more than you love your wife. Yeah. That's a little tangent, but it's the podcast. This is what we do here. So I thought, what are your thoughts on that oh, before we go to the next question? I was about to say, how can Christ trust his bride if you don't care for your own? And he said, you know, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and said he gave his life for her. So that means that no matter what you do, first, as an individual, you understand your calling, what God called you to do. But the next connection or the, 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 the covenant that he has given you is your wife. She is your, she, you're one with her. That means that if God can trust you with a wife and you care for her, he can trust you with his flock. He can trust you with the ministry. He can trust you with everything else. Because being with your wife and loving your wife is ministry. It's ministry. Sometimes we say, no, ministry is this. It's when I'm in a pulpit and our home is something different. But we're, we're living a one life. This is not separate. I, and, and, and you bring such a great point because this has been done so many times. And in, 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 in history, we see men of God that are powerful, you know, that they're, God is using them mightily because he, he, the, his gifts are irrevocable. Like he's going to follow and, and fulfill his word. But at home, I've seen it. I've seen like the same person that is preaching, interceding powerfully is beating their wives. And honestly, this means that you're beating yourself. If you're a man and you're not loving your wife and you're not caring for her, go back to the word. God cannot trust you with a ministry because you need to, when you love her, you are loving Christ. You are loving like Christ did for his church. And he can trust you with his church. That is so good. And I'm not married, so I'm, I'm looking at the Bible. But the Bible says in Proverbs, he who finds a wife mm. finds a good thing, for he obtains favor from the Lord. Mm. And I always think like why people don't make it. And sometimes, you know, generational curse, that we can talk about that too. But I think sometimes it's because they mistreat the first favor in their life. Mm. If God is all-knowing, smartest person in the universe, and he sees like you mistreat my first favor, why would I give you more favor to mistreat? Mm. Say that. You know what I mean? Because the Bible is clear. It says, 
person who has a wife has found favor, but if you're not treating that favor as good as you should treat that favor, why would anyone in their right mind give you more favor to mistreat? Mm. That is so good. And I just want to add to it as, as you know, there's also a scripture that says that the, the wife is the crown to her husband. So that means that we have men out there, but when you have a wife, God makes you a king. Like she carries virtue. For me, as a woman, that tells me I cannot marry anyone. It has to be a king-worthy crown. I will be a king-worthy crown. Like I bring virtue. So in other words, as as a, the bride of Christ, if you're listening to me, sister, this means that like you want to wait for God to give you the person that he called you to make him a king to bring him to where God called him to be. So this means that not everybody that just flirts and say hi and whatever, you know, is just, is someone that God called you to. It can be a little bit tension, but you know, in a nutshell, God wants us to care for his church, but he wants us to focus on the ministry that he called us to, to, to do. That is, if it's a relationship, if it's a, a call to marriage, God wants you to pour into it. And as a woman, God wants you to be a virtue for a man. That this means that not every man is called to be, you know, is called to carry your crown or carry you as a crown. Some of them are not ready. Some of them are, are like, you know, are with one, two, three, four, are multiplying, you know, you know, and they don't, they're carnal and not spiritual. So it's important to really like hear, listen to the Holy Spirit so that you minister you know, like to the person that God has called you for that covenant. That is so good. And let me talk to the guys too. Not every girl that gives you attention is the one you're supposed to marry. Because it all ties in, Carla, because we're, we're trying to bring in God's kingdom. It's hard to bring in God's kingdom when you're married to the wrong person. Amen. Can I say that one more time? It's, it's hard for us to usher in the kingdom of God when you have someone who's stifling your calling is pushing against your purpose it's hard that's for guys and girls stop marrying the wrong person stop trying to be with the wrong person because they give you a little bit of attention yeah. or they give you a little bit of comfort yeah. sometimes it might be uncomfortable are you okay being single are you okay being by yourself are you okay just being in the presence of god without having someone else being there with you until you're okay with that i think this is my humble opinion i think you should pause and i think you should get good in the presence of God. Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Amen. Not the presence of my husband, not the presence of my wife, not the presence of my boyfriend or girlfriend. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. But sometimes we try to we try to um, replace Jesus with our spouse. We try to replace Jesus with our children. We try to replace Jesus with our job. We try to replace Jesus with all these things that cannot even um, measure up to Jesus. So the reason why we're talking about it, he's like, how do we get on here? The reason why we're talking about this, because it's hard to usher in the kingdom of God. Mm. If you're married to the wrong person, or we elevate someone to the place of Jesus where they're never supposed to be. Come on. Say that, brother. You're pretty good, <laughs> okay? And I, and I want to just say this, like, you were just right on in saying that. And especially for ladies, this is very easy for us to fantasize everything on our head. Before even he says, oh, I'm interesting. So like the main thing is like, if you notice you're interested in someone and you're thinking about them and they're not said anything, 
the best thing is like go to the Lord open to the Lord knows what you're thinking he knows what your feelings he knows your desires and say father this is how I feel but you know what I want your kingdom come I want your kingdom to be do your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven I don't want my feelings to, to rule I don't want my the false perceptions and and imaginations to take to take over your word says that for us to take captive every thought bring it to captivity under the obedience of christ so i said father i bring this thought i bring this desire and i say father let your kingdom come in this feeling let your kingdom come in this perspective what is your perspective what is your what do you think about this is this person the right person for me and if not father i'm okay i just want your kingdom to come and i want your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven that is so good. And we're just going to usher into the next question. What does it mean? Because they keep saying kingdom come, God's kingdom come. What does that even mean, Carla? That's a great question. Really great um, question. So we know that God, as, as the God that he is, he is a father. He is our father. The Bible says that to those who have received him, to them, he has given the power or the right to be called children of God. So we know he's his father. But we also know that he's a king and he has a kingdom. He is in heaven and he has um, a kingdom where he, he reigns things that, you know, we have angels. We have so many things, great things there. But the kingdom is basically God's uh, system and God's perspective and everything that makes that makes him who he is um and in his kingdom he rules and he reigns we know he has no there's no shadow in turning with him we know he's a good father we know that he gives great things for for his children we know that he's faithful but in his kingdom there are also principles there are also like uh uh a, a way of living. There's the, the, his character, his nature is all part of this kingdom, you know. And in a kingdom, we know like that in kingdom there's a language that where the way people communicate. In a kingdom, there's a culture that shows the mannerism how people behave. That's the kingdom God of God is the same. Where we we know that that the kingdom is all about righteousness peace in the holy spirit we know that the foundation of it is the love of god is the foundation of this kingdom we know the peace rules and reigns the bible says that he's um, the, and the peace is um and the government of, of peace is over his shoulders when he talks about jesus but we know like that peace is what reigns in the kingdom so there's a culture in the kingdom um, there, there are laws in kingdoms. So, so if you think in the natural sense, you know, where we had kingdoms in the past that would come into a territory, if you notice the one of the first things that they would bring a flag to say that this is our territory, there's a, there's a location. We know the kingdom of heaven is in heaven and there's a location. We see that what the first thing many times what they do is they try to come to the local people and teach their language. So, I'm from Guinea-Bissau. We were colonized by the Portuguese. And one of the things were to impart the Portuguese language, you know, because there's a way of communicating. Um, and then we have the culture where, for example, some countries that I know in East Africa, they, because they were colonized by the British, they adopted the, you know, the drinking tea, for example, 
that's probably was not part of the culture prior to the colonizers coming in, but it's, it's a part of a culture from the, the English, you know, culture. Um, and so the kingdom of God as well has this, this culture of, of, of love, the culture of, of, um, self, um, uh, I would say the discipline, the culture of, of peace, of joy, of righteousness, of, of, gratitude. There's so many characteristics of the kingdom of God um, and its culture that that is where God comes from. And so when we talk about thy kingdom come, that will be done. And I'll go a little bit um, before then. It says, Jesus said, let's pray our father in heaven. So first, for us to even get into the kingdom, it's important to understand that you need to be a child of God. And as I mentioned first, um, you know, to those who received him, to them, he has given the right or the power to become children of God. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've you've heard about Jesus, but you've never had the opportunity to come to really know him or to accept him or to embrace him, I just encourage you to take a moment. And it's very simple to do. Wherever you are, you can just say, Lord Jesus, here's my heart. Um, I am a sinner. Or I, I've failed. I've, I've wronged you in the past. I ask you to cleanse my sins and embrace me as your child today. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. That's as simple as it is. And the moment that we make that confession of faith, we believe in our heart that, you know, that Jesus, Lord, we, we repent of our sins. We are accepted and embraced as children of God. So that's the first step before we even talk about the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the children, to God and his children. So when we come in, we say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then when you say, hallowed be your name, glorified be your name. We praise you. We exalt you for who you are. You are worthy. You know, like we live because he lives. We exist because he exists. We breathe because he gives us life. We acknowledge the power, the greatness, and the glory of God. And then we say, thy kingdom, your culture, your language, your understanding, your environment, your presence, your power, let it come. Let it be manifested in my life as it is in heaven. See, that's all, that's from the beginning that's all, always been God's intention. When he created heaven and earth, that was his intention. It was to make us in the image of God in the likeness so that we would mirror the heavens or we mirror the kingdom of heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. That has always been his desire. That is, that is so good. Wow. She, wow. She came to preach today. That was so good. <laughs> And I, I think the Lord is always trying to get us back to how Eden was, that we can come to his presence. His kingdom was on earth. But then, you know, Eve and Adam did not make the, I guess, Adam and Eve, because Adam was held responsible because Adam was there who got the instructions. But then they messed up and now the kingdom was removed. Yeah. But I think yeah. now since Jesus came, he died on the cross to reconcile us back to the father, as you talk about. It's now our job to bring down the kingdom. Because now, like you said, I love how you said, like, kingdoms belong to the children. And if you're a children of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom. Only citizens Come on. can enact change. Like, we have an election every four years. Only citizens are allowed to vote in that election. Mm -hmm. 
But the thing about Jesus is Jesus is not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not a president. He's a king. This is not like, this is not a monarchy. This is not, no one's going to replace, you know, God bless her soul. Queen Elizabeth passed away. Her son took over. Jesus is not going to die. He died. And he stayed in the grave for three days. And on the third day, the Bible says, according to the scriptures, he rose again. And then he showed himself to 500 people. And then he ascended to heaven, sit on the right hand of God. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, now he's continually interceding for us. Yeah. So don't get the game twisted. That's because you don't like the laws. That's because you don't like the commandments. Does not mean you have a say to change the laws or the commandments because Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. The Bible says he's not even a king. He's the king of kings. Yeah. He's the Lord of Lords. So people need to realize that, oh yeah, I want to usher in his kingdom, but I want to change some things. No, there's no changing anything in the kingdom of God. I might, I'm, I'm going to go too hard. But God created them male and female, yes. no in-betweens. He created them male and female. He created marriage to be between a man and a woman. And some people might not like that, but we don't get to decide what God has created. Can you imagine someone who created the Apple phone? Now it comes like, I want you to change this, 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 and this. You didn't create it. So why do you have the, the, the thought that you can change it? So that, that's just how I look at it. And how do we bring in the kingdom or what does it mean for the kingdom of God to come? It means we must lead with love, mm. but also with sacrifice. Yes. And as people, we, we love the love part. God is a God love. We know God is love, the Bible says. Yeah. But Jesus also said, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up, your, deny yourself, mm. pick up your cross and follow me. That's right. We love the love part. But we have issue with the sacrifice part. Oof. Say that. <laughs> so, so anything you want to add before we go to the next question, which kind of ties into what we were talking about? So let, let's just go to the next question. How, how, can we, how can we usher in God's kingdom? Because like you already talked about how we need to sacrifice. We, Like you said, we have to have self-discipline. And that that is one of the fruit of the spirit. The last one, self-control. So I think that's one of it. But I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you uh, speak on it before I give you give you my thoughts. So, what is it? How can we, as believers, usher in God's kingdom? So good, you know, because there is a war in between natures. So, when you receive the kingdom, the kingdom, or you receive um, Jesus into your heart, into your life, now you, your spirit, because we're spirit, we we have a soul and we live in a body. And as our spirit is renewed, is instantly saved, is alive. It was dead and now is alive in Christ. But now we have a soul and our soul has our mind, our will, our emotions. And our soul is not renewed. So you remember what you ate the day before? <laughs> you remember what you did like 20 years before? You know, your mind doesn't like blank out and you, you black out and you forget everything and you're in a new day. No. Um, so that nature, like where you have your will, your uh, your mind, will, and emotions, those three areas have to consistently be yielded to the lordship of Jesus. You know, when when you go to a kingdom and you have a king, you have to submit to that king. We hear stories of anyone that wants to rebel against the king and do their own thing. They're killed. <laughs> they don't stay, <laughs> you know, because, because you have a kingdom and you have a king, but we have a loving king that is God. And God is not, you know, he does not superimpose himself on us. 
He has given us free will. He gave it to, to, to Adam from the beginning. But piggybacking on this part of self-discipline and the importance of even looking at it as the fruit of the spirit and, and sacrifice. I honestly, personally, I believe, like you, you quoted that scripture where it says that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I personally believe that every that that's like one of the greatest um, perfumes of worship that we can give is when we sacrifice what we want most or what we desire to do and say, Father, I surrender and I, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life. When And I'll give you examples. It can be like, as random as like, oh, that person cut me off and I just wanted to cuss them and I didn't, you know, like, or, you know, I, you, I have so many stories like where I literally like, I'm like, I want things to go and I'm planning things for a trip and it's not going well. And, and, and I literally just lift up my hands and, and stop and worship and cry and say, father, I just choose to trust you. I, I, every time I do that, with tears in my eyes, I feel like there's like a incense, there's like a worship, something beautiful out of it. And as I just say, like, I choose to trust you in this situation. I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, if let's say you, you went through a really difficult loss of, a, of someone that you lost or something hard that you had to go through, God, in those moments, when we Take the time to say, Father, I release my will, my my emotions, my mind, how I want to do things. And I just want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Uh, it's, it's so beautiful because it does. There's something I believe he does something in the spirit itself. It's just a form of worship. Not only God intervenes in the situation, but he begins to form your heart to in conform your heart to his and transform you and shape you in the image of Christ, which is God's original intention. Jesus is the second Adam, and he's the one that we're mirroring. We're not mirroring the first Adam anymore. And so when we go to the part of sacrifice, we can go knowing that he's a good shepherd, that whatever we're going through, he already has a way out. We can go through it knowing, Father, we can trust you, knowing, Father, that God, as angry as I am, as frustrated as I am, I choose like to listen to what you have to say and go with what you have to, you want me to do in this situation and see your kingdom come. And every time we do that, there's, 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 um, it's like, uh, there's fruit that comes from it. I, I honestly believe that our actions will be thrown in the fire and the moments where we have, we have allowed ourselves to be shaped by God, to be molded by God in those sufferings. And he says, rejoice, not only in glory, but in sufferings as well. And in, in the hardship, there's, there's gold that is going to come out of it. There's purity that's coming out of it. There's purity of mind, purity of heart. There's humility. Um, you know, there's so much fruit that comes out of it that shapes us and molds us to be like Christ. Oh, that is, that is so good. And, we're talking about sacrifice. The only way we're able to be in a position to usher in the kingdom of God is because Jesus decided to sacrifice himself. Mm. Cause he said that they're not taking my body. I'm giving my body up to them. And then if you look in the garden of Gethsemane, 
the Bible says three times he prayed, Lord, take this cup away from me. Lord, take this cup away from me. Lord, is, Lord, take this cup away from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. I think we have to get in a point in our life that we have to sacrifice things. We might have to sacrifice some sleep. <laughs> we might have to sacrifice some shopping. <laughs> we, need to, we might have to sacrifice some us being uncomfortable. We might have to sacrifice some time so we can pray a little bit more. Mm. I think we have to sacrifice all these things to usher in the, the kingdom of God. Because believe it or not, the kingdom of, of darkness is advancing. The only thing that can stop the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of God. Yes. But if we just stand idly by and let them pass any bill they want to pass and let them do whatever they want to do and let them run every ad they want to run, then what Then what are we doing? We're just idly seeing the kingdom of darkness take ground, even though the Bible says that on this rock, I'll build my church. Yes. And the gates of hell or Hades, whatever translation you look at, will not prevail against it. Yes. So until we take that stand and make that sacrifice and become uncomfortable, the, the the kingdom of darkness will continue to prevail. But we need some people that say, you know what? I'm here. I'm standing down. I'm I'm here. Like when David went against Goliath, he said, you come against me. Well, I come against you with the name of the Lord. We just have to say we don't have to have anything fancy. We have the name of the Lord on our tongue. We we're going to come against you in the name of the Lord. So I think in order for us to usher in the kingdom of God, we had to sacrifice, mm-hmm. which means we might have to sacrifice some of our money. We might need to sacrifice some of our time. We need to sacrifice some of our talents. Sometimes you might do stuff that you might not get paid for. I'm not saying that is the uh, that might <laughs> that is the prescription, but that might be the exception that yeah. you might uh, sometimes sacrifice your talents for the kingdom of God to um, expand and to continue and to actually come down on this earth and subdue it. Because Paul says that the king, the God of this earth is the devil. And the God only bows down to people who represent the true God. So until we start to represent the true God in all our spirit of, of influence, work, church, grocery store, until we start to do that, the devil is going to run crazy on this earth. Yeah. And just to add to that, even that, the good thing is the sacrifice. It is important that it's out of a place of obedience. Because is when you follow what he says, he says, if you would follow after me, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So no, we sacrifice, but we are following too. Because there are people that, and I, I don't know if you have had experiences, but I had, I can tell you supernatural stories. Like I, I love my stories with God and I have uh, having adventures with God. I, I, I know the difference when you give, like let's say you sacrifice giving out of that from emotional giving versus a giving that is a giving that is supernatural out of obedience. I, I have had stories where I've given, you know, like the pastor said, give, blah, 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 give, you know, like you, you see that emotional thing and you feel like guilty and you give and did not see any reward, mm, nothing. But I've seen and I've had encounters where, like, I remember this one season um, that I was asked to minister like as a worship leader and translator in a conference for three days. And it was, it was heavy, you know, because for people that don't understand, when you translate for someone, you're translating from English to Spanish, you're preaching. 
you're preaching because you'll carry the same energy and you are the preacher for those that don't understand the language. So, you know, so, and, and also ministry, you're, I, I, uh, I have a respect of pastors because, you know, like because of the calling that they carry, you know, and also how it affects their body, because like you have to be energetic, you know, like it, it has, God needs to give you grace and you need to be fit for it too. Um, and I remember like leading worship and then, you know, translating and then taking a time and then leading worship next time and then translating. So you can imagine like my body is tired. And I remember during that season, I only have like, I think 50 something dollars in my account. You know, like I, I was really going through a dry season. And the Lord said, I want you to give $32. I said, you say what? <laughs> I said, wait, how do you have $50? I still have to pay like something in the church. Of me. I can't remember. I said, I want you to give and sow to this man $32. I said, okay. And so I sold $32. This is Saturday. I believe it was Saturday. Sunday by Sunday. The, you know, some that that evening, someone came and put a check in my hand. I just put it in my bag. I usually like to check it later when I get home. Um, and then at the end of the conference, they also gave me, you know, some funds. And then someone said, like, can I take you out, you know, to eat and I'll get you some food since you're going to rest tomorrow because it's a lot. So by the time I left the conference and I checked, I had $400. So more than 10 times what I sold. But it was because it was out of obedience. I had another case, like he said, you know, sold $20 to this ministry. I said, Father, like, it's costing me because like, I, I have a knees. I was like, okay, you said 20. And it was hard because like, especially when you have little and he wants to, do, to take from that little, you feel it, you know, because if you had a lot and you had a little, you oh, okay, $20 is nothing. So I gave it. And the next day, someone gave me a check of $200. I had another, another incident, incident where we went to pray in the city of Chicago. Like usually like they, it was like a prayer thing. And so we went as pray, we're praying, walking, and I was in a car with Korean sisters. And they turned around, I was like, let's pray for Carla. Like, mind you, the day before, the Holy Spirit said, give, he said, give $20. I said, Lord, but I can give 30. He said, no, I said 20. I said, okay, I gave 20. The next day, we went to the rest, let's pray for Carla. They started praying and prophesying, praying, prophesying. They stopped putting money on my hand. And I'm like, okay, I put it on my bag. And I checked, checked it later. And he was up to almost $300. And I was just like, God, like, what do you, he's like, I want you to, sh I want to show you the reward of obedience when you have sacrificed and you have with obedience, because it has to be what he said. There is a hundred percent reward, even more. He's like, I, I'm just showing you that I can go beyond 10 times and I can reward you beyond 10 times when you obey my voice. That is so good. And you said something. And when you do more than God tells you to do, it's still disobedience. Okay. And in the world we live in, it's like, oh, you need to, you know, you have to give more than they ask of you. But in the kingdom, <laughs> if you do more than what God asks you to do, that's disobedience. So, like, for instance, when you said, I could do 30, and God said, no, do 20. If you said, if you still in your heart said, I'm going to give 30, you would have been disobedience and you wouldn't have the blessing of obedience. Amen. Amen. So I think 
I think people need to understand that. So people are like, I want to do this, 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 and this. Did God call you to do this, 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 and this? Or did he just call you to do this and this? Because <laughs> some people say, I want to do, I want to start this nonprofit. I want to preach the gospel. You should always preach the gospel. That that that's non-negotiable. <laughs> you should always preach the gospel, whatever you do. But like I want to do this and that. Like the God call, because what you said is that people who are pastors, God has called them to it. Well, some of them, God, they call themselves. That's we'll, we'll discuss it later. <laughs> <laughs> Just what I call themselves is like you can tell, but you had to have a supernatural strength and favor and grace on your life because if you don't, your body will run down, and then people will end up with strokes and heart attacks and all these other things. Say that because if you're not equipped to handle the spiritual battle of your sheep, <laughs> it will it will take you out. <laughs> Our families are from the African nation. We we know. We know. <laughs> you out if you don't have that calling on mm. your life because mm-hmm. i'm telling you there's people that I, let's let's go back to the tangent there's people who call themselves and in three years their life that's all i gotta say their life say that. <laughs> you see their family just shambles their uh, their children has walked away from the faith and all this because god did not call them say that. they thought it was a good idea but god never called them to do a good idea god called them to do a god idea Oof. And then some people think like, because it's good, because even the Bible says they did what was good in their eyes. Hey. Doesn't that make it good? <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just, it looked good in their eyes. Hey. Like Eve, Eve ate the, hey. Eve ate the fruit because it looked good in her eyes. Yeah. And then now what happened? Man has to toil for food. Yeah. Now women has to go through a thing called uh, delivery because they thought it was good. Hmm. And they ate the thing they thought was good, but it was not God. Yeah. So I think people, if you want to usher in the kingdom of God, make sure you're doing the God thing, not the good thing. Amen. Because it'd be a good thing to give the $30, Carla. But it was a God thing to give the 20 That's right. So I think people need to understand that. And you said something. And that's just how my mind, when you say something, I just jump to another thing. <laughs> and you said, like, their body has to be fit. And I think another way to usher in the kingdom of God, we have to be healthy. There's the many people who <laughs> to be Christians, and I'm not there yet. I'm still working on my on my health, too. That say that we trust God, but you're, you're, you're not an overweight, you're obese. Hey. Overweight is one thing, but you're obese. And the thing is, if we consider this, the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit for people who are not, you know, with the King James Version. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. How are we mistreating the temple? Because we we eat, we have bad eating habits. We don't have time to exercise. And we think God is going to cast out the spirit of diabetes. No, change your diet. Okay? (laughs) Say that again. Change your diet. It's not God's will for you to be on insulin, but if you keep, like you said in the beginning, if you keep eating, God will give you self-will. He's not going to snap the honey bun out of your hands. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to we need to be sober with ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. if we want to do everything God has called us to do, yeah. and we want to yeah. usher in the kingdom of God, we have to be healthy, not only spiritually and mentally, we got to be healthy physically, because yeah. we only hey. have one body. Hey. Until the Lord comes back, then he gives us a glorified body. But to that time, we have one body. Say that. Hmm. <laughs> So I want to get your perspective because I know you're a doctor too. So I want to hear your perspective from from this, um, from what I just said. This is a podcast from two doctors. So (laughs) this is what I would say also is that there are people that maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, wow, like, you know, maybe you're in the, in the, you know, heavier side and you've, you've tried 
talk to your doctor. There, there, there are things that you can do. There are things that, you know, like invest in a trainer if necessary. Um, and some, maybe you're listening to this, maybe financially you're not in a place for that. Now we have YouTube. It's what I do is sometimes I just put a YouTube and I work out at home. I just get my, like, you know, you know, my stretch bands and, you know, I have a mat. If you need bottles, use bottles as a way, you know, like, but it's important that you take care of this temple. And if you are in the heavier side and maybe you've tried, you know, now there are, there are other interventions that help um, that you can even, you know, consider bariatric surgery if necessary. But there are things that is important for us to start taking charge of our health. And and I a long time ago, I heard that they've done surveys and said that like Christians are found to be more like more obese compared to other religions. Um, you know, although I don't believe that Christianity is a religion, I believe it's like a relationship, but that's another topic. But um, um, so, but there's something that you can also ask the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. You can ask you, God, he, he gave us his kingdom, not only his kingdom, he gave us Jesus and he gave us his Holy Spirit. Jesus, before he left, he said, I will not leave you orphan, but I will leave, I will give you the, the Holy Spirit, you know, and he will teach you all things. I, I honestly believe that in the church, we have not, sometimes we, we minimize the, the power of the Holy Spirit only through churchy things or things that have to do with God and character. And we do not involve him in any other areas of our life regarding, he wants you to live a good life. It says, may you prosper as your, your body or as your, as you make your soul prospers as you prosper. You know, God wants our, our bodies and our souls to prosper. He wants us, us to live in good health. You know, where you, wherever you are in your journey, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what can I do with my body? I'm, I'm personally considering, like, I think I need to lose a little bit more weight to be like sharp when my BMI, you know, like thinking about how I want to work out this year. Uh, involve them and say, Holy Spirit, you know the metabolism of my body. You know me more than I know myself. How can I engage in this new journey of weight loss or or of heating healthy? And more than more than just weight loss, a healthy living. What is the what is the path for me that is designed and tailored for me for a healthy living? That I live my body is healthy, my soul is healthy, my spirit is healthy, my career is healthy, my relationships are healthy. How how do I um, implement this plan? What do you have in mind? Who do you want me to talk to? And you will be amazed, the Holy Spirit, when we we talk, we stop and, and talk to the Holy Spirit and say, and invite him in, you begin to see God bringing people uh, suggestions of diets, all of a sudden, like things are happening for you, but because you opened up to allow him to, to move on your behalf. So as physicians, we're not saying this to con to bring, to bring condemnation or to make you feel like, oh my gosh, like you're judging my weight in any way. No, um, we see patients. We also provide counseling, talk to your doctor, um, but also ask the Holy Spirit. He knows the best plan for you and he knows what you need to do in this season. That is so good. And let me echo what Carla said. If you're a uh, heavier weight, that's, that does not change your value to God. Amen. He still loves you. He still died for you. So yes. that doesn't change any of that. Yes. 
I just want to say you can someone can be more effective if their if their health is better. Because you don't have to be stopping every couple of seconds to catch your breath. Your knees won't be hurting and all these other things that we can tell when someone has excess weight yeah. can can do to somebody. Yeah. And we, like you said, Carla, we, we've seen many patients that if they just did lose some weight, the whole life can be changed. Yeah. So we're, we're not saying this, like Carla said, to condemn you. We say this because we love you mm-hmm. and we want you to be part of the team that ushers in the kingdom of God in good health. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anything else? No, that was good so far. And before we go to the next question, I want to also say this, because we talk about physically, we talk about spiritually, also mentally. If you have been through some trauma, give it to Jesus. Absolutely give it to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me who is heavy related and I'll give you rest. Mm -hmm. But find a Christian therapist that you can talk this out to with. Because God does not want you to carry on the abuse and carry the PTSD and carry the the low self-esteem and carry the guilt and shame and the depression. He doesn't want you to carry all that. I believe that God has created people to be therapists. And the good thing is there's Christian therapists too. So every um, recommendation they give you will be aligned with the word of God. So I think people just need to realize this. Also, Carla is like, yeah, God can take with depression. He can, but I also believe that he can take it with the assistance of someone else. Because yeah. when, when Saul was having all this tormenting spirits, he didn't say, God, take this away. He's like, go give me David. Yeah. And the Bible says, when David played a harp for him, the spirit of torment left him. Yeah. So I think we, we can just use this as an example that, yes, give it to Jesus. Always give it to Jesus first. Then look in your area where I can go to so I can talk this through out with somebody. How I guess recommendations, how I can like, if I'm having a flashback, how I can use some grounding techniques so I can come back in the flashback. I just think in the church, we always like, is, is Jesus a therapy? I think it's both. I believe it's both. I think it's Jesus and therapy, but that's just me. I want to hear your thoughts about it. Let me go to the next question, Carla. Yeah, this is this is a very good question. Uh, we're not islands. Like each, we need each other. And it is important for us to notice that, again, when we talked about your mind, will, and emotions, they need to be renewed. The Bible says that be renewed, um, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe this is um, um, Romans chapter 12, 12, verse 1, 2. 2. Yeah, 2. Yes. Um, So it's important that we renew our minds. And in the process of that renewal... The thing is, like, as we live with God and as we live with people, there are things that we manifest in our day to day that we sometimes don't know why people say things that trigger us. Many times they have, they're related to something that happened in childhood or trauma or an incident that we did not probably we did not manage or address it correctly. And we buried it down and then it starts surfacing through interactions with people and it's interesting how, you know, God, God, the, one of his, uh, his traits of the Holy Spirit is the good counselor that he counsels. So he can speak in how to counsel, but he also has given grace to people to counsel. The Bible also says how, how Moses, when, when he was leading the people, he still gave his responsibility to many, you know, over 100, over 50, for them to talk to the people and take care. Because, like, it's hard for one person to do everything. So... In, in the same way, as an individual, invest, I totally 100% agree, invest in counseling, 
invest in deliverance. Because those, you know, like you have counseling deliverance as well, you know, where like there are things that need to be detached so that you embrace your identity in Christ, um, you know, your new mind, things that you need to be delivered from, but also with counseling to understand what your behavior is and what, how, what was your mechanism, your um safety mechanism that you developed because of that incident that is maybe not helping you right now that you need to ad- see it address it and you know adapt new uh, new behavior and new new habits um i totally agree with that like that you should have counseling as well um and i also uh, i believe that it's important that you also learn to develop um like you said, like Jesus can take it away and to develop that, the how do I explain this? Like the moments with the Holy Spirit where he's like, Holy Spirit, why did I act like this? Where did this come from? And even if you don't have all the answers and you have a therapist, but it's important that you self-reflect. That's the word I was looking for. Because like sometimes we go out, you know, and we make the excuses and we tell, but this is how I am. And I'm, you know, like, no, stop, slow down. Like, you know, slow down. (laughs) It's like, why am I acting like this? Why is this person, you know, this person is addressing to me this way and is making me feel this way. And it's good because that opens up a conversation with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm very, I'm a huge proponent in involving the Holy Spirit in everything. There is nothing he does not know. And there's nothing that he can't see. And when we, you know, because deep calls unto deep. When we go deep and say, Father, I want to go deeper with you in this area. It's, I feel like there's like wells of wisdom and wells of solutions that open up to us when we call the, the depth of the Holy Spirit. So having the habit of self-reflection, yes, therapist, investing also like in, in deliverance, in any ministry ministry that does deliverance, I 100% support that. Um, and yeah, so that, that that's the way that would help you renew your mind and um, become what God calls you to be. So good. I didn't know we we're going to go this way, but the Lord is leading <laughs> us this way. But you talked about deliverance and the Bible says... He came to set the captives free. Yeah. And there's some things that could happen in your past that allow some things that should not be on board to come on board. And sometimes I think we have gone into Western Christianity. It's like, oh, nothing can touch me. Nothing can be attached to me. But when you start looking at the cycles, it might have not been you, but it might have been your grandmother who did something. Now it's passed down to you. And the way I look at deliverance, like, let's just, let's just pray for you. Like we don't gotta cast it. Let's just pray and see if anything gets agitated. Let's just <laughs> let's just see what happens, you know. But I think when people get so prideful, like I don't need deliverance, I just need this. I think you you may need deliverance, you may need therapy, you may need both. But you gonna might you if you had a tough upbringing, you are gonna need at least one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you are gonna need need at least one of them. Yeah. So I, I love how you you talked in about the deliverance part because. If we want the kingdom to come in, people need to be set free. The captives need to be set free from whatever has them bound. Because Jesus says, who the son says free is free indeed. So there's people who are dealing with lust and watching pornography and things like that. And they think this is just like the lot of life. No, you might have something. Either you have some insecurity issue that you need to talk to therapists with, or you might have a demon of lust 
that you might get cast out, or you may have lack of self control. <laughs> Say that. See, sometimes, sometimes at, in the church, we try to act. Mm. Everything's like binary: is this or this or that. It might be everything, or you might just need to go to bed at ten. Or the Bible says, if if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. Maybe you need to go from an iPhone to a dumb phone. That's maybe right. you need to just, you maybe you need the phone that only has the Nokia phone that only has snake on it because you can't control <laughs> your urges. You know. <laughs> and the thing is, like, this, see, see, this is what. I hate about the devil. Like he takes what is good and twists it, it perverts it, like putting perversion in it, like to degrade what God created. Cause like, you know, God created sex for a reason and for a purpose and there's a place for it. But he, you know, there's a scripture that says, do not awaken love until it so desires. Like, because there's a time for it. The desire, the desire is not desire of of wanting it is not wrong because God gave the desire, but he needs to be in the right place and at the right time. If you're horny, like you better like, and you're a believer, you're not married. This is a time <laughs> I remember a pastor they used to say, you know, I don't know, get yourself like with a cold water or something, but cool yourself one way or the other. But like you know, or go rush and get married with the right person. You know, like <laughs> if you're burning like that. But the thing is, but he has its place and it's it's holy. It's beautiful. God made it. But when this is where the Bible says that when when we are tempted with our own desire, this is like evil desire. Like when the enemy just wants to take what is beautiful and pervert it, bringing it early before its time making you lust after what people are doing, which is perversion in itself. And even pervert your mind and wanting it almost like a drug is that is so demonic in nature, but not only is it, but God does not want us to walk and represent him that way. Like when we say kingdom come, his purity is what governs us. And if his purity is not governing us, that is not the reflection of the kingdom. Does it mean that you're not a child of God? You are. But that's not the reflection of the kingdom. You're not reflecting God's original intent and design. Um, in, and in that point, this is where we come to re in repentance. We ask the Lord to forgive us. We do you know, like deliverance. But also, like you said, accountability. Because it's like, if you, let's say, if you have a husband that cheats on his wife, something happened, right? Not only did he cheat, this is one thing. The other thing is like he broke his trust. Oh, her trust, I'll say. He broke her trust. So for her to trust him, he has to like be accountable and walk like a, not because not she can forgive. She probably can, can forgive him, but to trust him, that's something that's broken and that you have to rebuild with time. And in the same way, when someone falls like in this type of perversion, it's important that, yes, there's repentance. Yes, there's this, there's deliverance. But then there's like a process of renewing of mind, really conform yourself with the word, accountability with people, accountability with what you're watching. If that was a door, there was a door like a, uh, uh, you know, pornographic uh, magazine or uh, video you 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 cannot open up 
open up to it. It's like an alcoholic that is trying to stop drinking and says, no, I'm going to take just a little sip, you know, like just a little, little, little sip and see if like, you know, it will be fine. No, once you've, you step there and you're going to a place of, of rehab, literally, they take you out of the environment that makes you to drink. They actually put you in a special, you can be in an inpatient rehab, you can be like a facility where there's different programs. They're trying to bring um, activities for you to do that, you know, you can also take medications that help you like not crave I want to drink alcohol, like with naloxone, stuff like that, like things that you can, uh, um, uh, no, 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 naltrexone. If things that you can take and just to help you get getting out of that, um, of that habit of that addiction. So it's it's yeah, we talk about therapy, we talk about deliverance, but it's important that there's also accountability, that you have people that are watching that you can say, hey, this week I did not, you know, like I really felt like I wanted to watch another video, but I didn't, that you can be transparent and honest and people that will be, um, that hold you accountable as well. That is important because that in itself will take you to a new journey where you will literally detoxing from what was putting you in a place of perversion. That is so good. We can go so many ways. Um, so the first thing is confess your shortcomings. Always confess your shortcomings, but also celebrate your victories. Yes. I think sometimes we, as humans, this is not Chris, as humans, we always focus on a negative and not celebrate, oh, yes, I made it four days without watching this adult film. I made it seven days. I made it 14 days. We just focus on, oh, I failed that one time. Stop focusing on the on the streak and start focusing on the record. How have you been so far? Hmm. Yes, when you, when you do fall, confess your sins. God is faithful to forgive. That's what First John says. He's faithful to forgive if we confess our sins. But look how much you have um, gone through. You used to, someone used to get drunk all the time. Now you just drink four times a week. We will look at the um, progress. We will look at the, um, the improvement. But don't let us always get down because we are not where God wants us to be so far it's a journey like you say jesus said he's not gonna leave us as orphans we have the holy spirit or the the periclete the one who's gonna walk along with us on this journey we call life so i think people just need to realize like yeah we're not where we want to be but thank god we're not where we used to be amen we were we were just a mess back there but thank god he has us where we're at right now amen 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 um so get you people that you can trust i usually say if you really want to walk with with God and really get out of it be honest the main thing is like listen like <laughs> you can you can fool everybody else but we can fool God like he Joseph said you know when the woman wanted to sleep with him it's like how can I do this to my God like because dad was not there mom was not there but he feared God and that's what one of the things that I feel like in this generation, you know, even in our walk with God, I said we fear the Lord. We fear when we're all by ourselves and what what we're doing, knowing that if nobody else sees me, I know God sees me. If nobody else knows what I'm up to, I know God knows what I'm up to. If my parents are not around, I know God sees me. And so I will honor God in everything that I do. That is so good. And we, the Lord just keeps bringing stuff in my mind. So 
I wasn't going to talk about this, but we're still talking about how to usher in the kingdom of God. How important are words? Because mm-hmm. the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So how important are words when we want to usher in the kingdom of God? Hey, everyone. I don't know if you know this, but your boy is a co-author of a seven-day devotional. My brother, Brandon Austin, and I released a devotional about transformation in your life. We believe that there's seven areas in your life that you must check in order to experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. We have broken down these areas throughout the seven days of the devotional. You can purchase the book on Amazon for $4.99 for the Kindle version and $7.99 for the paperback version. The link is in the description box below. Thank y'all so much for your support. Now let's get back to Saturday Conversations. This is so powerful. Um, I... You know, one of the I think one of the chapters that I read the most is Genesis chapter one because I'm trying to read the whole Bible, but I never finish it because I stay in Genesis. Like especially chapter one is so deep. Like I was just reading it this week again. Like you know when when it says like you know and the earth the earth was void and empty and um and this the the spirit was hovering over the waters and the lord said let there be light and there was light you know later on you read that he said you know and then he created the greater light and the lesser light so that means that before the greater light and the lesser light there was light you know and and the bible says about this the power of the 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 word like in john chapter 1 how in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god you know, and he was with God in the beginning. And this, this, the word we know is Jesus, but the word itself is so powerful. Like it's not, not just the, the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass, uh, pass away. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. And that same ability that he gave, that he had in speaking, the earth into existence, he gave to Adam. The Bible says that when he made Adam, he said, and he named the the animals and whatever he named, that was his name. God never said, you know, like, no, I think we should change the name to something else. No, he gave him the jurisdiction and the power to name a thing. And in that same power that he gave us to speak a thing, it says that you, you shall decree a thing and it will be established. As and in this interest in that we are in the kingdom of God, but we are kings and queens in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we are children of God, but we also have the same power that He He entrusted us to dominate on earth because we're saying on earth as it is in heaven. So when we say yes to the Lord and we open up ourselves to His kingdom, we stand as as His ambassadors. So that means that the territory that we 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 belong or where we were standing, that territory is for the kingdom. And it's interesting if you see at any embassy, the United States, the American embassy, I just went to the American embassy end of March in Portugal to have my visa stamped. You know, that territory is American territory. Like I was watching the whole place, like it has you know, a President Biden and, you know, Kamala Harris, the flags. He had the sayings of Martin Luther King, um, um, uh, Maya Angelou. Like, and, and it was just so beautiful seeing 
the like looking around and he, I think they even I think he's even bulletproof like some of the glasses that they had but like it's just like you're entering in an American building you know and it's American territory that piece of land is American territory in Portugal now everything like in me in Portugal blah blah but they're like they celebrate the American holidays you know because they are they're representing America in Portugal and in the same way, God wants us to represent him wherever we are, you know, where we, are, we, we can stand and we can, um, our, the way we carry ourselves, the way we, our character, our, our language also speaks of where we come from. I had someone once in the program say, hey, Carla, cussing is okay. Don't worry. I'm like, inside, I was like, that's not part of my grammar that is just not part of my vocabulary because my vocabulary is from the kingdom that's what I, that's what i represent in whatever i do and whatever i am i'm representing the kingdom of god because that's where i'm from but you can only walk like that when you know the king when you understand who the king is when you have that intimacy with the king is, there's a scripture that says, let, let no file word come out of your mouth, but only encouraging words to proceed from, I think it's an Ephesians, um, to proceed out of your mouth. You know, like, so that means that that's, that's how, that's, it's not just how I was raised. My parents raised me like that way too. You know, like, it's like any, any sleep, they'll look at you. Like, it's like, you better not say anything. You know, like, I'm listening to you. But that's just, in terms of my vocabulary for someone that talks to me and every like that's you know that's not part of my vocabulary because my I understand that my communication is communication of the kingdom I'm representing the kingdom and so this is where the words are very important I sometimes even uh, when I joke because I'm I'm extroverted by nature so it's easily to talk to chat and all that and make jokes but when I noticed that I made a joke, I'm like, mm, this joke was not right. <laughs> no, I'm like, I regret, Father, I repent. I revoke this word. Like, I just like, like, this is, you know, because our words carry power. Just like the same way when I stand and I decree and I pray with confidence, knowing where I'm coming from. The same way, even playing and joking like that prophet. Was it Elijah that, that played and they were teasing, bald-headed? And and uh, and I he's either spoke or said something and the 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 bear ate the boys, you know just like that like just slight words you know can have a detriment in the in the past like for example, I think it was, was it this morning I was laughing at something and I said I'm dying I said no I'm not dying I canceled that you know like I said I'm dying laughing you know like I was like no 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 I'm not I was like you know what I'm living that's just like I obviously live and I kept laughing you know but because like I'm conscious of my words but my words carry power the bible says that like laughter is 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 you know like laughing is like is is joy is 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 medicine for the soul so I should be living. I shouldn't be dying. I should be living, you know? <laughs> so going with your words, it's important that you use your words without understanding where you come from, knowing that you're from the kingdom, knowing the king that you serve, that you use your words to bring life. You use your words to, to decree, to declare. I, I recently just made a list of what I, in terms of marriage, what I want to see my marriage, finances, career, and 
um, um, calling. And I, I've got scriptures that I wrote down and I'm just confessing them and just not only confessing them, but speaking and prophesying over them. So because I'm creating a world in each one of these, these areas of my life and I'm planting because it will bring a harvest in the, in the future. Just like my mom laid hands on my, on her belly when I was uh, in her belly. And she's now seeing the manifested words that she spoke in the same way we can do wherever we are. You can speak a thing and, 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 and it will be established. You can decree and years later it will be so. I've, I think I was at three. My mom said when I was three, four years old, I used to play as a doctor. And I said, I was like, I was like, I was like I'm going to take care of children. I'm a, a doctor of children, you know, and I actually was about to become a pediatrician. But then after organizing a medical mission trip to Guinea-Bissau, um, I, I, God opened up my heart. To, it's like, everybody needs a doctor. It's like, I was like, what? It's like, I, no, I don't want to just see kids. I want to see everybody, you know? And so, um, and then that's why I chose family medicine because it includes the area, and one of the areas that I love. I love pediatrics. I love adolescent care and, and, and kids, but also talking to the elderly. I think it's one of the ones, but the fun, fun parts too. Um, so, just to say, like, you can create a thing. I was three, four years old, and I spoke it. And my mom said that when she heard me say that, she pondered, and she began to pray for that. She actually prayed that. When I was in middle school, I tried to change the economics because my dad was, like, economist. But then in ninth grade, I was like, no, I'm going to become a doctor. I've always loved science. I, you know, like, I'm Sandy. And then my mom was, like, at peace. But she never influenced and told me later on the whole story. But she was, like, praying and speaking into existence so that I would become what God called me to be. And in the same way, whatever area you want to see, you can speak and decree a thing, and it's established. You can, and, and, and even more, when we speak in the heavenly language, you know, like a lot of people, this is a whole nother topic of speaking in tongues. I have also stories of speaking in tongues. But anyway, like where you can tap into speaking beyond your understanding and asking the Holy Spirit to give you interpretation of what you're praying as well. You know, where you can decree what heaven is saying, what heaven is speaking concerning that matter, concerning that issue, concerning that problem, concerning your family, concerning your future, concerning whatever you're, you're living you know, like, or, or a situation you're living in, God has something to say regarding that. And he wants to use our mouth to speak a thing and is, is established. You know, the interesting thing, when, once the Holy Spirit said, you know, when you're decreeing something, Carla, he said, not only is heaven listening, but hell is listening. People can listen as well when you're praying, but you see they're all listening. So when you that so when when a prophetic word is a, is released, they're all listening to it. So heaven is ready to implement for that to come to pass. God is watching over His word that's been spoken. The enemy will bring everything to make that word not to come to pass. But when we stand and say, "Father," and agree with heaven, and our behavior, our 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 decisions agree with heaven, it. It, it has to come to pass. When we come into agreement with heaven, it just has to come to pass. We don't have to force it. We just have to agree with him because he says that his promises are yes and amen. That is so good. But I want to give some disclaimers because some people think 
I'm going to speak this. No, no, no. You have to speak, like you said, Carla, you have to speak according to the will of the Father. Yeah. If you're speaking all these other flipping things, it's not going to come to pass. Like, I want to be, no, no, you're not going to get the Ferrari because you haven't taken care of the Toyota you have. So don't, 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 don't get the game twisted. Some people say, I'm going to speak this into existence. And I believe you can speak stuff. Good. But Good. if you, if you don't speak stuff according to the will of the Father, then that's witchcraft. Ooh. I'll say that one more time. If you don't speak, if you don't speak something according to the will of the Father, then that is just witchcraft. And now you just a you just doing witchcraft. You're just a witch at this or a warlock at this point. That's right. Because words have power. Hey. If you see any any witch when they do incantations, they're they're speaking words. Mm-hmm. That's all they're doing. How they pronounce curses, they speak in words. But the same way they speak curses, the same way God would speak blessings on people. So people need to realize that I'm going to speak this. There's one thing. Speak it. But if you don't work for it, you're just speaking in vain. Because you just say at the age of three, age of four, I'm going to be a doctor. Did you not have to go to school? Did you not have to take step one, two, and three? Mm-hmm. Did you not have to? You know what I mean? But people are like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to speak this. How are you going to speak without without the um, work behind it? Because James says, faith without works is just dead. That's right. So I'm all for speaking it. No, I grew up in an African household, Pentecostal. I know the speaking <laughs> stuff works. I see it with my eyes, it works. Yes. But if you... If you just rely on you speaking things and not putting the work in, or you just rely speaking on something that the Lord has not ordained for your life, you're just doing it in vain, or you're dabbling into witchcraft. That's right, hundred percent. You know, and it's it. For example, another clear example. Oh God, that man is fine. He's my husband. Blah blah blah. I say hold up, hold up, sis. Slow down. First of all, what he has to do with liking? That's a will of a person. We don't come and like and. Father, they got to be mine. No. Hold up. No, 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 no. That's the, uh, uh. That you have to say, God, I'm here at position. What do you have? And you know, like, God always in that area, he positions people for you to see and say, hmm, you know. But he will, he will, he will, he will orchestrate it. You don't have to force anything, you know. That's one of the things. Or, for example, Father, I got to have a, you know, like, or, or, that. Those, those are the two areas I personally don't prophesy is in terms of relationship or um, babies. Oh, you're going to have, like, I can see. Sometimes I, God shows me like, oh, I see. Like, for example, my, my sister-in-law, she had a miscarriage and then we were praying for her and with my mom. And while we were praying, I saw this baby boy running, two years old, running in the house. I said, mom, I saw a two-year-old running in the house. Like, I'm like, ah, are you saying that she's going to have a boy? I said, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm not saying anything. And then we didn't say anything. But, it, you know, then we found out months later she became pregnant. Yay! And then... When they came to find out, like the sex, it was a because my brother wanted a girl. He's like, I want a baby girl. Like you know, I said Kalu. He, you know, we call him Kalu. I said Kalu. Like, come out. You know, he could be a boy. You never know. He should be open. You know, God give me. You know, but I didn't tell him. You know, and he was like, okay, you know, fine. What is whichever God gives. And then we found out it is a baby boy. And my mom was like, Carla saw this baby boy like months ago. You know, like I know, but I would not. You know, because the thing is is sometimes it messes up with people's desires, you know? And I've seen people that have been prophesying, you're going to have a baby boy. And it'll be a baby girl. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like I've, seen, I've said all these things that I'm like, 
you know, I would rather pray in silence and pray for you from afar. But the certain certain things that have to do with people's wills and you don't want to mess up because that's witchcraft. God would not force someone to like you. You should love yourself. Love others like you love yourself. Love neighbor like you love yourself. And trust that God is going to bring you the, the person for you. For ladies, he's going to pursue. Trust me, he's a king. He will pursue. <laughs> you don't have to force anything. For men, like, no, like she, she you know, God, God, God will, will give you someone that is suitable and compatible for your call. So even in the asking, it's important to know what to ask for and knowing that, no, like when it involves the will, God, I want your will to be done. But there are things like, Father, I let's say like you want a car and you don't have a car and you actually need a car. You know, like, Father, give me wisdom with my finances. You know, give me wisdom in saving. You know, because the other thing is like, do I just want to, oh, God, I want a car. Bless the Lord. And you like, I don't know, $50,000 in debt. Is that a right decision right now? Like, so there are so many factors that you really want to ask the Lord, Father, I want you, like, not only just a car, you can give me a car, but I pray that, Father, you give me wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. That's something that my mom taught, taught us to pray since, like, teenage years. Pray for wisdom and understanding. Wisdom. Father, how do I use my finances? God, I want a car and I want this type of car. But Father, pray, give me, uh, uh, you know, let it be a good deal. Like, Father, the dealer where I go would like, let them, you know, be gracious. Let them bring an X rate down. I don't know. Like, but let it be what you desire. But also, Father, is it this the right time for me to get a car? Is this the right way for me to get a car? Involve him in the whole process. Not just like, oh, I want a car. And you go right out and get it the way you want it. Like, and be like $50,000, $100,000 in that. I don't know. Just because you want the latest car. Is that the wisest decision? Maybe not. You know, but like, you can ask the Lord, use your words, but ask him for wisdom, even in the process of getting that. So it will please him so that you, you glorify him through it, through it. You'll give you a strategy, even payment strategy for that, you know, because I believe that debt is debt and debt is debt. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like a heavy load debt, you know, um, and I believe that God wants us to be financially free. That personally, that's a, something that I'm, I'm going towards. But I'm just like giving these examples how to pray. You know, if it involves will of a person, pray the will of God to be done not imposing your will over someone else's will. Um, you know, if it has to do with something that you want to get material-wise that you know you need, Father, you know my needs. The Bible says that if you, you know, give good things to your children, you evil give good things, how much more your heavenly Father, you know, would give you good things if you ask him. You know, he's a good father. He he takes care of the lilies in the valleys. Or he takes care of, of the birds in the air. You know, he would give you what you need. He knows what we need. There's no problem asking. But even when we ask, ask for wisdom as well in how to not only take it, how to care for it, how to maintain it, how to be a good steward of what God gives you. That's so good. That's so good. And because earlier you talked about Genesis chapter one, how God spoke a thing. God said, let there be light. There was no light. And if you go down, he said, let us make man in our own image. They made Adam. He made Eve. But then he said, be fruitful and multiply 
subdue the earth, do, dominate the earth. So my next question to you is, how do we exercise our dominion everywhere God has called us to? Right now, God has called us, both of us, to Chicago. So how do we exercise our dominion in Chicago? And someone were listening from Texas or Florida or whatever, how can they exercise their dominion in that place? Amen. Um, so before we even talking about taking dominion at territory, it's it's important that you take dominion in yourself first. Before we take territory and say that, because we know that there are principalities and powers in, in territories. And when you're going to address it, like in a physical place that there is like a territorial power, they have to bow to a higher power. If you already bow to a higher one, they have to bow to you. So first, where when we, many people don't understand this, but when you walk in righteousness and holiness before God, you don't have to speak. You walk with power because you enter in a place, I believe even demonic powers, they know, they sense, they know this one is different. They know this one is not with us. The Bible says a verse about Jesus. And he says that he could that the enemy could not find anything in common with him. And so when we're talking about being able to like establish the kingdom of God in a territory, first that you that in your life that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord in your home, that Jesus is Lord with you, the way you talk, the way you think, the way you move. Does that does that mean that you're perfect? No. But there's the lordship of Jesus in your life first, in your household. If you're a father, if you're, you know, head of your home, that Jesus is Lord in your marriage and your home with your kids. You know, if you're a mom, that Jesus is, is you know, like, is, you know, Lord in your marriage with your kids, everything that you do. Because, like, that's when the kingdom is manifested in it, Right. Like then he has to dissipate. That's what Jesus. That's that's what God did within Adam. Like first he created Adam. He fashioned him. He gave him work. Then he gave a suitable helper because the work is a lot. Like it's not for him to be a lot. It's not just like all oh, for him to have color, color, color. No, there's a lot of work. His work was to implement Eden everywhere. It is to establish kingdom of God everywhere, and he needed a suitable helper that will help him with that. And it's interesting. I usually say this. This is why I said, I think Genesis is so deep. The first person that, Eden, that Eve saw was not Adam. We don't know how long it took for him to make Eve. God make Eve. Made her, I don't know. He put him in sleep. I don't know if he was like months, days. I don't know. Because for us, it's like from one line to another line. But we don't know how much. But God took the time to really fashion her. And the first one that person that she saw was God, because God took care to him. So understanding that, like as a woman, understanding your, your importance of being with God and being like this with God. As a man, understanding your calling, your intimacy, being with God. And when you want to implement the, the kingdom with that power as a family, you establish the kingdom of God in your home. It cannot help but dissipate. That means people are going to see it. They will smell it. They will taste it. If you're single, they will smell you. They will taste you. Everything from you is kingdom. 
what people taste from you, they, they taste love, sweetness, great, like the fruits of the spirit they eat from you because that's what oozes from you. And when you want to go in territories, principalities and powers know who you are. When you stand to speak and you stand to intercede, you, you're not afraid, you're not scared because you know you good with God <laughs> and you good with the higher, the one that has all power because he said all power is being given to me go ye, go then and make disciples of all nations so he gave us power to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome every power of the enemy and he said nothing shall by any mean harm us that's when when you walk out the door i am i live in a neighborhood in chicago I like walking in the parks and sometimes I walk and see and I speak to the youth and I speak, you know, like, Father, we just speak that Father revival will break out in the streets, in the marriages. Sometimes, I don't know, like for you, but like um, I, I walk in the prophetic. Sometimes like you can I can pass by and hear you can hear cries. I can hear I can hear things, you know, like in just a father just in a oh you know drop in my heart like that woman that has been abandoned that that has been molested like and start speaking in the streets where you can implement but again this is after you've established that jesus is lord of your life in your household in your territory and you can go and implement wherever you go wherever your food trade upon you can take it as a territory but it starts first with us and then when we go we just go with the direction of the Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? You know, like sometimes going for prayer walks. I enjoy prayer walks actually, like, and then some buildings, sometimes like to just lay hands and buildings and speaking, you know, people in government or, you know, like that things change will come to our neighborhood, change will come to our city, you know, where we, we because where we're going there, he, his kingdom is coming and, and we can speak the kingdom to come wherever we are as we trust that when we stand in righteousness and holiness, that, that we are implementing the kingdom of God. That is so, so good <laughs> because what people need to realize is that you already said this, but don't go somewhere if you're not sent to it. Mm. <laughs> Cause like, because, like, to use your example, you said that uh, your country was colonized by Portugal mm -hmm. because someone sent Portugal. If they went on their own accord, they would not have the backing of Portugal. That's right. So I think people need to understand that if you go to a place and you don't have the backing of the kingdom, you're by yourself. Yeah. When the kingdom, when the kingdom darkness come attack you, you're by yourself because God did not send you to that place. And I love how you said we have to make sure that we exercise our dominion in our house. Yes. You have to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can't be living any type of way that you're going to go to the streets. Like, after, as for this city, they're going to serve the Lord. The enemy's <laughs> going to look at you like, you don't want to serve the Lord. So how do you <laughs> think that they're going to serve the Lord? So I think people need to realize that we need to exercise our dominion mm -hmm. first in our house, like you said. Mm -hmm. And when you when you start in your house, then we'll go into your friend groups. We'll go to your community. And from your community, we'll go to, to your state and then your country. But you got to start in the house. Amen. So I just Amen. think people need to understand that. And then also, I don't know why people don't want to do this anymore, but the Bible is clear that you need to fast. Mm. If you want to exercise your dominion, fasting and praying is, because Jesus says in Matthew 6, he didn't say if you fast. He said when you, when fast. you fast. 
And then some people will say, like, Jesus did it all. He, we don't have to fast anymore. And the, Jesus' disciples didn't have to fast. The Bible is clear. Jesus said, why would someone fast when the bridegroom is here? But there will be a time when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will have to fast. Jesus has been taken away. He's on the right hand of the Father, which means us as his disciples, we need to fast. We have to, if we want to exercise our dominion everywhere God has called us, we have to fast. Because I've heard witches, I heard they fast. <laughs> I heard warlocks fast. I heard all these other things, they fast. Why is it we somehow try to take, I guess, the favor and grace of God and try to find an easy way out? Mm. I think we need to fast if we want to exercise our dominion in where God has called us to be. That's a good, really good point. I've heard of people that said is, um, you know, fasting is an Old Testament thing. But if you look at, I think it's Acts 13, when they were about to send Paul, I think it's Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas, I can't remember, one of them. But when they were about to send, they said the elders fasted and prayed. So we see that this is not like Old Testament stuff. No, after Jesus was gone, went to heaven. The disciples fasted and prayed, you know, like, so it's not an old thing. And the thing is, like, people don't understand, like, it, it unlocks something. Fasting, I, oof, my God, I, don't get me started. <laughs> but, like, it can, it, can really, it can really unlock mysteries. When we fast, you know, like, it's not just fasting for food. We're substituting food to spiritual food. It does something to your spiritual senses, like you pay more attention. You're you're more alert. Um, I have stories, like stories <laughs> of what I'm fasting, like where I, I'll give you one. I, I believe that we were in a season, we were fasting and praying. This is in China. We we I was one of the leaders in a small group of students group because 98% of the church was mainly students. And we were fasting and there was this event like uh, Friday evening counter. And um, I love it. Like where we just worship and we pray, we intercede. This is like after the whole week of, you know, school, med school and stuff. And there was one time like I went, I got in and there was a sister that was saying that she, they found something in her uterus. They couldn't say what it was. And I remember that was like right after because I was baptized in the spirit in China. And, and it was right after I was exercising a lot, like seeking the Lord and, and, and all. And as soon as she was speaking, the Holy Spirit said, I'm forgiveness. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> I'm like, okay, forgiveness. Father, I pray that she like releases, you know, on my, on my own. And then a week later, she comes to me in, after service with the report because I did my my course in Chinese. So she report she brought the report of the ultrasound and wanted me to read it. And I read it and I said, well, they said that they couldn't find anything. And the Holy Spirit brought again, I'm forgiveness. So I sat down, I said, sis, this is what's going on. And so, you know, when you tell told us the last time I, you know, we prayed, the Holy Spirit said that there's an unforgiveness that needs to be forgiven. Like I don't know who wronged you. And she paused. And she told me the story, who it was. And, you know, like we we're able to, you know, like I said, like for for this to go away, we do have to release it. You know, like, and of course, unforgiveness. I think there was one of the videos that you had recently, like unforgiveness is, is forgiveness. It's not easy. Like if someone hurt you, um, you know, but carrying the unforgiveness was already affecting her body. 
And so like we, you know, led into a prayer, prayed for her. She released the person. And I think it was a week or two later, um, she went and did it that they didn't find anything. It was gone. You know, it's like, but it's like, like, so when you're fasting, like God opens up your ears, your, your mind to like even pick up things, things from people, people that don't tell me like giving prophetic words, things like for a season. I mean, I, I just being able to be used by God. If you like believing God for a next step in your life, take the time to really fast, disconnect from social media, like really truly fast and say, Father, I want to hear you. I just want to connect with you. You know, witches, warlocks, they fast for more power. They know the power of it. But we have the King of glory. We have the almighty God. We have our Father in heaven that we love and he loves us that he wants communion, you know, the powers in that communion, you know, and say like, Lord, no, I'm going to take three days, I don't know, seven days, 21 days, whatever God leads you how to do, and say, Father, I'm going to sacrifice this time to fast and pray and seek your face um, so that your kingdom will come, you know, in my life and your your will will be done in my life as it, in, as it is in heaven. That is so good. <laughs> You're, the spirit has moved me because I wanted to say something because you said about the young lady who had unforgiveness. One way to make sure that you don't walk in dominion is have unforgiveness in your heart. Because mm. even Jesus wanted to make sure you had full dominion on this earth. What mm. is one of the things he said on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He said, I don't want unforgiveness to deny me of my dominion on this earth. Yeah. So Father, forgive them. I forgive them, so I ask you, you forgive them. Yeah. But they don't know what they do. Yeah. There's so many people walking around with unforgiveness and wondering to themselves, why can I make it? Why am I not uh, exercising it? Why, why am I not walking in dominion? I need people to pause and reflect and see, do you have any unforgiveness in your mm -hmm. heart? Carla, we talked about um, deliverance. One thing the demons will say, I'm not leaving because they have unforgiveness in their heart. Yep. And the Bible says, Paul says this in Ephesians, that be um, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? So you do not give a stronghold or a foothold for the devil. So it shows how unforgiveness can play a big part. If you want the kingdom of God to come, if you don't want to mm -hmm. keep your unforgiveness, but if you want the kingdom of God to come, make sure that you talk to the Holy Spirit like, Lord, teach me how to forgive. You know what they did to me. You know how they how they treated me. You know how they abused me. So, Lord, I'm not saying this is going to be easy, but, Lord, teach me how to forgive this individual. Mm -hmm. Teach me how to forgive my mother. Teach me how to forgive my father. Mm -hmm. Teach me how to forgive that, that um, boyfriend or girlfriend or that spouse that cheated on me. Teach me how to forgive. Because there's so many people who are walking in chains of unforgiveness, and that's why they cannot exercise their, their, their dominion wherever they go. 100%. Mm -hmm. and it seemed like you want to add something i don't know <laughs> no 100 it's like and, and the thing is you know just re i think what helps me more is like when someone hurts me really bad just to remember what jesus did for me you know i you know i probably like you know the fact that he went on the cross that he take every lash and you know so that to so that i could be forgiven you know, and it reminds me that story, um, how, you know, like how the servant said, like, you know, you know, the king forgave him. But then when someone, gave, you know, you know, owed him little money, 
he did, would not forgive and say, God, I just don't, you forgave me so much that my heart would be so big in gratitude that when someone wrongs me, I'll remember what you've done for me as the king did for him. And if you forgave me them this much, I can forgive this little, you know? That's so good. And the story she's talking about is in the Bible. There's a parable that the guy owed the king a million dollars. And the, the king said, you know what? Don't worry about it. You're okay. So he went to go find someone who owed him $10. Yeah. And he said, give me what you owe. The Bible says that he threw him and his family in the jail. Mm. Someone heard about this and went to go snitch on him to the king. This is important. Let me let me pause right here. Don't Whatever you do, everybody, someone is always watching you. If you choose not to forgive, someone's always watching you. Someone's going to report you to the king of kings. So what happened is it got back to the king and he's like, you wicked servant. I forgave you everything. And now you don't want to forgive this person. The Bible says that the king threw him into the place of outer darkness. Yeah. Do not be put in the prison cell of unforgiveness or the prison cell of outer darkness because you choose to not forgive when Jesus chose to forgive you. Mm. Jesus. And that's what people need to realize. Like Jesus forgave us. The Bible says while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. While we were still doing the bad thing, while we were still being all nasty, while we, uh, when we were dirty, when we, when we weren't approachable, Jesus says, I'm still going to die for you. Yeah. So if we kill Jesus, why can't we forgive someone who didn't kill us? They might have hurt our feelings. They might have done us dirty, but they haven't killed us. Why can't we somehow forgive them? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to take, it's going to take Jesus and it's going to take therapy to help you walk through that. And sometimes you might ask for deliverance for the spirit of unforgiveness. Yeah. That might be a thing. It might be a fa- uh, generational curse that you just have unforgiveness. Your grandmother never forgave. Your mother never forgave. Now you didn't forgive. Yeah. If you want your future generation to have that spirit of forgiveness, you might you have to work through that and say that this generational curse of unforgiveness, it ends with me. Because yeah. if it doesn't end with you, it will go to your children. It will go to your children's <laughs> children. Because that's how the thing goes. It keeps going from generation to generation generation yeah this has been so good none of this was planned but <laughs> none of this is planned at all but lord is in this place Amen. <laughs> the lord is in this place so my next question to you is like as we're older and you see the younger generation coming up you see like the are they i don't know what generation they are generation z ish i guess i don't know Amen. but the young the, yeah the 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 teenagers growing up yeah. How can we be an example? Because we had, uh, me and you, we were, we were blessed to have parents who are our examples. Yes. So how can we, especially in the social media era, people can just see you from afar on the internet. So how can we be an example to the young generation as kingdom ambassadors? Amen. Um, I think w- one of the main things is living our lives for Christ. I, you know, I just really want to publicly commend you, Ed, for for even doing it. First of all, like fi- finding um, physicians that, you know, black that in terms of, you know, rates were very low, you know, and especially male and vocal about Jesus. That's very like that's rare. You don't see it. And so I'd really commend you for what you're doing and giving the platform to so many people to share their faith, their stories that will encourage this young generation. So I commend you for that. Um, And so and I say that each one of us, just the way we live, trust me, teenagers, I don't know why I, I, I really relate. I love teenagers. Guess like I 
<laughs> it's not far away from that that age that I I was, but I also have a passion for them because that's a, a time where you try to find your identity, who your friends. It's easy to make decisions like silly decisions based on influence, wrong influence. And I feel the pressure. And like I, I sometimes sense the pressure. One time I was in prayer and the Holy Spirit was saying the strategy that the enemy has for the young people is that they can either grow in a, in a Christian home or non-Christian home, but his strategy is to either somehow affect their infancy, like with molestation, with, you know, like some form of trauma or bring them till their teenage years, even if they were like in a good home, get get them into the wrong com- uh, wrong uh, friendships and wrong cycles, wrong um, addictions that would detour their lives, you know, and rob them time. He was just saying one of the biggest strategies of the enemy right now is to rob time of our, uh, rob the precious time that cannot be given back to our young young generation. Now he's using social media, he's using like wrong friendships, but by the time they detour and try to come back, they get into their 40s to their 50s, which God is a God of mercy that he will, you know, the Bible says that he will restore the years, but that time cannot be given back. They still have to live their lives, you know, with grace. And and that's one of the things that I really is my heart like to really speak. And one of the ways that we can influence and is by living for Jesus, being vocal about Jesus, sharing us our, our our stories, like who we are, what God has called us to do, living our lives for God, testifying of what God, God has done so that that raises faith in them, but also mentoring them, you know, like bringing them close. If you have like a, a young you know, if you have a nephew, niece that is close, check on them, see how they're doing, talk to them. You know, like they, many of them, they put walls because they feel like they're treated like children and their opinion doesn't matter. But when you engage with them, you see that they already are having a view of things. They have feelings, they they have desires, they have longings, they want what they want to become. And that's an opportunity to bring them under your wings and really like start speaking into their lives, praying over them, speaking to them is like, you know, giving them counsel. Hey, like you're young, you're doing this. Speak to them because the world is already speaking. The world is already coming after them in school, with media, with friends, in other ways. And so, but where you trust that you can implement the word of God in them and that they will, they will, they will remember them. And I'll give a, I always have a story for something. So my mom, when, when I was like nine, 11, nine, 10 years old, we had a war in Guinea-Bissau and we were left as refugees to Portugal. And I lived there for two years. I did my sixth and seventh grade there. And my mom, I remember we, you know, it was me, my sister, my youngest sister. My youngest sister was like a baby because she was like nine years apart. But um, me, my brother and a cousin of mine that my mom was taking care of. Um, and I remember my dad was with us for a period and they had to go home to take care of our house back in Guinea-Bissau. But my mom did something that it was it was interesting. She she would give us all tasks like who's going to wash the dishes, who's going to, you know, clean the table and all that after dinner. And then we would have um, sessions of memorizing scripture. 
So she made us memorize like Psalms uh, 23, Psalms 46, you know. So, and I remember as a teenager, I'm like, repeating everything that she was saying. Like, I was so bored, you know, like, I was like, why are we doing this? I don't, you know, like, even though I was, you know, I was 11, 13, and I really just became really more on fire for God when I was 14. But at a younger age, I'm like, meh, we're just doing what mom said. So I remember memorizing those scriptures, you know, like this, she would, every night we'll do it. And it's interesting, fast forward 15 years later, I think it was my late 20s, um, 30s, um, but, but late 20s, I was here in the US. I can't remember, I was like shifting jobs, something like that. I was like, um, I woke up and I was kind of concerned of, of what was going on in my life at the time, finances, like shifting of jobs and stuff. And I sat down and I just gave a deep breath and I closed my eyes and I saw the table and I saw my mom and we sat down and I started speaking the words that she gave us like, to memorize Psalms 46 in Portuguese. And I was saying verse by verse. And it was like refreshing water to my soul. I was crying. I was like, I can't believe I still remember it so well. And that word that was planted 15 years ago was already producing fruit, you know? And it's just to show you like anything that you plant in your children and young, the young generation, he will bring fruit some way, somehow. The Bible says that the young man, the prodigal son, he came to his senses. He remembered his dad. He remembered how the, the, the kingdom or how the, his home was, how every servant had a meal. Nobody lacked. And he said, this is not my reality. This is not what I was born into. This is not what, what, what God called me to live in. He didn't say this, but... This is what coming to your senses mean. <laughs> like, you know, this is not what God wants for me. My dad has everything. And he turned around and he went back home and he found his father waiting for him. Because that's what God wants is that our each young children, like young teenager, that they understand that in the father's house, there's there's plenty. There, you know, you can have acceptance. You you have identity. You have a purpose. You have a gift. You know, you can be who you are. You can be who God called you to be. And so, with our young generation, it's important that we speak over them. That we bring them under our wings to speak over them, pray over them, teach them about the word, confront them when necessary. When you see that they're misbehaving, hey, you gotta tell them the truth in love. For them to be, you know, straightened out, you know, in, in some way, but they will not regret it. They will remember you. I, ha I, and also before I went to medical school, I think I was 18, 19, I got a, a year that I was off. I was doing a lot, like I was learning French. I, I don't like to stay idle. And, um, and I was a teacher and I taught in, uh, English and music. And I, I taught my students, I literally had to, it's a, it was a new school, I had to teach a new curriculum, I created a new curriculum on music, but I would teach them about our traditional instruments, um, and also, and I had themes for every month. So there was one theme, it was like, we learned about the national anthem, we learned about our traditional in, uh, instruments, and I spoke, I think, another week about how to care for the country. Like, if you see garbage, pick it up. You know, like, we need to make sure that we own this, you know, like, that this is our country, and we will take care of the way God wants us to care for it. He made all the trees really nice, but he doesn't want it to be a mess. So I remember that I planted that seed. This was, like, when I was 18, and then 
I think two years ago, I saw one of my students. I was traveling back to the U.S. Well, three years ago, um, I went for my brother's wedding. And I was traveling back to the U.S. And I traveled with one of my students. And she said a sentence that reminded me what I taught them. You know, it's like, I because they used to call me Miss Pinto. They would call me Miss Pinto. I said, hi, Miss Pinto. I still remember, like, you taught us about taking care of the country and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's why, like, when you see the garbage, you have to keep things clean. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, things that you can plant, they will, you know, in their lives, some way or form will grow, you know. And um, so our young our young generation, they need us. They need us to like to model. They need us to speak into them. They need us to spray over them. They need us to be strict sometimes and, and firm, you know, when we need to be firm. But they need us to show them what the kingdom look, looks like so that they can go even further and do greater things and great exploits for Jesus. Uh, that is so good. And we, also, we have to be authentic because this younger generation, they can see nonsense <laughs> from a mile away. So we got to make sure that we're authentic with them. We got to make sure we're humble with them, too. Because sometimes, and I, I think that's why the young generation don't want to talk, because the way we're brought up, the adult has a final say. I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear your recommendation. You're a kid. You don't know anything. So I think we have to be humble enough to say, like, we may be wrong, and they might be right from their perspective. Yeah. And I think that's something we need to also figure that out. Is like, how do we remain humble, but also remind them that you, you, you still, you're still a child. You haven't walked what we walked, so we have some life experience, but you may be right in this regard. So we, and then also as an older generation, we have to not be afraid that they will surpass us. Yeah. It's right. our job to be their floor. Yeah. Our ceiling should be their floor. Yeah. But it's so many people like, I don't want this person to be. No, 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 no. And I, like I said, I'm only here because my parents decided to make their ceiling my floor. Amen. It wasn't for my parents' sacrifice making their ceiling my floor. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Yeah. But I think as the older generation, we had to make sure that we said, okay, we did everything we can do. We're going to pour everything we can into you. And now our ceiling, everything we have gone through, our finish line will be your starting line. Because the saddest story in the Bible, now I wouldn't say the saddest, but one of the saddest stories to me, Elisha, mighty man of God, he died. They threw his body in the grave. They threw another man's body on on Elisha's um, body, and the, the man came alive. The reason why it's so sad, everybody said, it's a miracle. The reason why it's so sad to me is that Elisha had no one to deposit his anointing into. You know, his, his corrupt um, servant, wanted to go to name and get some money. And that's why he was disqualified from the anointing. So, so sad. And I do not want to die. If the Lord tarries when he comes, let me pour into everyone I can pour into. Cause I don't want to be in a grave and they put someone on my body. And then that body comes like, cause I think I've done the kingdom a disservice. Holding on, holding on to all that anointing that God Jesus. has placed in my life. My God. Mm, that's so good. I never thought about it that way. You know, that's so good. Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Like, no, like that we pour everything that, you know, I have a good friend of mine that uh, he passed away last year. Um, it was really hard. Uh, he, you know, I was close to his wife and I even, you know, went to see them, you know, right after. But he said something that 
I was listening to his sayings. He had like this short videos that he would share and he said, you know, I do not want to die empty. And I was like, I don't want to die full. So, but I want to die empty. And he said this days before he passed. Um, you know, and that's so profound where you and you can die empty where everything you have, you left it and you you die like, God, I did everything you call me to do. Like Jesus is like, it's finished. You know, I've done everything you call me to do, you know, and we know that um, the next generation will do greater things. So 100 percent agree. Amen. So good. Last question. Thank you once again for coming on. Take time on your busy schedule. My last question to you is, why is it so important for the kingdom of God to come on earth? Wow. It is important because it's, it's God's, God made the, the earth to reflect his kingdom. So it is so important that everything that he created, that he spoke to existence, the trees, the animals, everything that he did, it made. Um, they, they, it's amazing that they reflect um, his nature. They reflect and they praise him. The Bible says that the 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 trees and the fields they clap their hands. You know, um, it's it's amazing how even nature praises the Lord and how we are made to praise him. We're made to worship him, and so it's important that what who God is is implemented on earth. This earth was not just made to be the what it is today. It is, it's made to reflect the kingdom of God. And so in everything that we do, in everything that we are, it is important that we establish the kingdom of God so that who he is, is multiplied, is, is seen, is manifested in our world today. In every single sector um, that where we work, where we do, what we, you know, the people we relate with, they all experience the manifestation of the kingdom of God. That is so, I have nothing else to say. That was, you hit it on the head. That was so good. So do you have any last encouragement or advice to anyone watching this or listening to this um, episode? I'll just say like, you know, um, you know, love the Holy Spirit, walk with the, the word of God, eat of it, um, you know, follow friends, be with friends that will hold you accountable, you know, and, and just determine today that you will live for Jesus you know, no matter where you, if you're just a believer, if you, you know, if you've been in the faith for a long time, the purpose is for you to become like Jesus, that every day you're growing, you're, you're being shaped and formed in the, in conformity to the image of Christ. So I just, um, one big thing, love the Holy Spirit, embrace the Holy Spirit. You embrace the journey with the Holy Spirit in this journey of life. You know, and you'll see, you will take you places you never, never thought you'd be. You, you will use you mightily and you bless you abundantly. And you will see the kingdom of God manifest in your life. And his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. So, so good. Carla, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for giving me two hours of your time. <laughs> even though you're a busy person, so I really appreciate you. <laughs> Uh, but before we end um, this episode, we want to get to know you a little bit better through a game called This or That. So I already talked to you about it, how it's going to go. I give you two options. You pick an option. I made my guesses. If I get above three, means I know you pretty well. If I get below three, means I don't know you at all. And I guess we have to hang out more. Okay. So whenever you're ready, let me know. I'm ready. 
All right. So between the two Marys, which one would you uh, pick? Mary, the mother of Jesus or Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene. Okay. Um, do you like to work during a day or during a night? Hmm. Nah, during the day. <laughs> okay. So uh, after a long day's work, what do you want to do? You want to read or do you want to take a nap? Nap. <laughs> nap? Okay. Well, that's all of us. Um, <laughs> uh, in the seasons, would you rather have a summer or would you rather have a winter? Summer. Summer. Okay. And your your healthy food of choice, fruits or vegetables? Oh, my God. Those are hard. I like both. Oh, I like, like fruits. <laughs> you, the quick turnaround. Oh, this is so hard. I like, you know what? Fruits. It's going to be fruits. Like, all right. So I got three out of five. I thought you picked Mary, the mother of Jesus, but you picked Mary Madeline. And I thought you were going to pick nights, but I see why you picked days because your sleep schedule could be messed up. Right. But yes, although, I have. Although it's so funny. I'm a night owl. That's funny. But. I guess because I'm a night, so I'm like, I want dates. <laughs> so maybe if I ask you a month from now, you'd be like, I like nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so good. So I got I got three out of five, which is indeterminate. So yeah, we should still hang out though. It's cool. <laughs> so I've asked every person who's been on Saturday Conversation to pray before we end the episode. Do you mind praying for us, Carla? Not at all. All right. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for everyone that is watching, Lord Jesus, this this video or listening to this podcast. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for the purpose that you have in their lives. I thank you, Father, for um, bringing them to listen to this. And I know that it's not by accident. So Father, I just speak over their lives. I just speak over our lives. And I pray that each one of us, we would walk into the um, into the call that you've given us. I pray, Father, that we will experience your kingdom come in our lives. Your will be done. Father, I speak in the name of Jesus, every plan of the enemy to sway us away, to distract us, Father, from not walking and experience the fullness of God in our lives. Father, we declare that it's um, shattered right now. We speak that, Father, your presence is over us. Your love is upon us. We thank you that your grace to will and to do your will is upon us. We thank you that we will move and walk in, in your will. And I thank you, Father, for he's even using Ed for this um, podcast. We bless him. We bless this, this podcast. We pray that you will multiply, that many lives will be blessed, that many lives will encounter Jesus. Jesus, that many lives will hear about who you are. And we thank you, Father, that you are doing something in our lives, no matter what stage or phase we are in life. You're doing something supernatural. Thank you that you are moving us to walk with you closer and closer, to be more like Jesus every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me pray for you and then we end the episode. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your daughter. We thank you for how you're using her to bring your kingdom 
kingdom down onto this earth. We thank you how you're using her for build your kingdom on this earth. So Heavenly Father, we ask you for supernatural um, direction for her. We ask for supernatural favor. We ask for supernatural honor in her life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray for supernatural strength, that everything you have called her to do, allow her to do it with excellence. In the mighty mm-hmm. name of Jesus Christ, uh, every purpose, every calling, every plan you place in her heart, allow her to um to move forward in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray the time that she gets tired, oh Lord, the time she gets weary, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you give her supernatural refreshing. We pray that you give her supernatural re- restoration in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray for her families, uh, her family that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you be with them, that you guide them, that you protect them, that you provide for them mm-hmm. in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray anytime that Carla feels to um, put her head down, that you be the lifter of her head mm-hmm. in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray as she's poured in to all the patients she will see, that you will also pour into her in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for everyone she comes to co- contact in, mm-hmm. uh, come in contact with, allow her to be your representation to them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that through her testimony, through the things she would do, that many people will come to know your son, Jesus, through her actions, through her words, and through um, everything she does. We give you the honor. We give the glory. We say, blessed, blessed be your beautiful name. All this we ask for in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So thank y'all for tuning in for ep- to episode 66 of Saturday Conversation. Carla, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram, on Instagram, uh, under uh, P. So dr is doctor, dr.carlap. Awesome. I'll put her information in the description box below. Once again, special thank you. We did this for two hours. We didn't know it was going to be this long. <laughs> so I really appreciate you for coming on. I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful to have you as a sister in Christ. Uh, I'm just, I'm glad to have met you. I'm so excited what God has done in your life. I'm so grateful for what God is doing in your life. And I'm so expectant to what God's going to do in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I want this to be on a record that the best is yet to come in your life. And when God mm-hmm. elevates you, don't forget about me. Okay. Amen. This conversation is on record. So don't forget about me. <laughs> so everyone, join the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what part of this conversation stood out to you. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. And if you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hit the notification bell and give us five stars because you know this conversation was worth five stars. New conversations come out every Saturday. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you. And I'll see you next time.